Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. We are currently in the book of Colossians, going verse by verse, teaching um, uh, um, through the book. We're currently in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, and we'll go through verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1 today. And uh, this is the second part of a, of a two-part series. Wes gave the first part last week, and then I'll finish it off today. And... Um, before we begin, let's go ahead and um, we'll read the text. It says, uh, one second. <clears throat> Chapter 3, verse 22 through 4 1. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, work heartily as serving the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, we'll continue our study today. Um, before we begin, um, we want to. Before we begin, this is pretty much, in a sense, the it is talking about and going over the lordship of the household, right? Christ, He is the Lord of the household. Okay. Uh, before I begin, I'd like to give a little background on why we are called to live in a new manner, okay? Um, so hold your spot there and go find Ephesians chapter 5. Wes uh, referenced Ephesians chapter 5 last week, and we'll do it a little bit more at the beginning of our study today, just to get a little idea, a little context here. So hold your spot here, and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to uh, cross-reference some of these texts uh, in Colossians with Ephesians 5. Okay, so we'll do a quick little Bible study before we jump into explaining the text. Now, let's look at verse 18. It says, now let's look at Ephesians 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be what? Be filled with the Spirit. That's right, okay? Be filled with the Spirit. Now watch this. Let's look at verse 19. Go to the verse right after. It says, now... Um, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay? Now watch. Hold your spot there, and let's go back to Colossians chapter 3, and let's go to verse 16. Hold your spot, because we're going to come back to Ephesians. I mean, yeah, to Ephesians. Now watch, Colossians 3.16, it says, let's look at the first section here in the verse. Okay, here's what it says. It says, let the word of what? Christ dwell in you up Richly, that's right. So in Ephesians, the command is to be filled with the Spirit. It's an actual command to be, uh, be filling. It's a never-ending command. And here it says, to, it's another command to be indwelt with Christ's word richly. Okay, now watch this. Look at the um, um, 
Oh, let's look at the next part of the verse here, 16b in Colossians. Now, remember what we just read in Ephesians. It says, with all wisdom, so this is the result of being filled with the word of God. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Doesn't that sound almost like a perfect repeat of Ephesians? Right? So to be filled with the Spirit, you have the same results as being filled with God's Word. To be richly filled with God's Word and to be filled with the Spirit are, in a sense, the same thing. Okay? Now, they are pretty much exactly the same, right? So to be filled with the Spirit is the same thing as being filled with God's Word. To be filled with God's Word is to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, we don't have to seek any emotional experience to be filled with the Spirit. You study God's Word, it saturates you, and you begin to be filled with the Spirit. If you want to grow in the knowledge of God, you want to be filled with the Spirit, you study God's Word. And when you study God's Word, and when you're filled with the Spirit, both produce the same results. Now if you go back to Ephesians, you'll see where it addresses the wives, it addresses the fathers, the children, the servants, the masters. And now we're in Colossians, same thing as dealing with the wives, the children, the fathers, the servants, the masters, because being filled with God's word gives the same result. So the command is to be filled with the spirit, to be filled with God's words, so you can live a new creation life, okay? And that's what it is. So from Ephesians 5, 18, throughout that chapter, is be, the command is to be filled, and, this, and if you are filled, here's the result. And here the command is, if you're filled with God's word, then here's, this is what the result will be. You will um, follow, you'll fall into line and, and, uh, and, be, and live a holy, spirit-filled life and a God-word-filled uh, life, okay? So, so to saturate your mind with God's word, again, is to be filled with the spirit. So the commandment in Ephesians um, and Colossians, they, they go together. They complement each other, okay? So a wife now can be submissive because it is fitting to the Lord, and she has no issues with that because she is filled with God's Holy Spirit and His Holy Word. She understands what it means. A husband can now love their wives like Christ loved the church because they are filled with God's Holy Spirit and His Holy Word. And then now children can obey their parents because they are filled with God's Holy Spirit and Holy Word. Because this pleases the Lord. And this, this is also why fathers can now not provoke their children to anger or uh, exasperate their children because they are filled with God's Holy Spirit and His Holy Word. And then now we get to slaves and masters who are filled with God's Holy Spirit and Holy Word. Okay? Christ tells us in John 8.31, if you abide in my word, then you are my true disciples. Okay? If you have a desire to be in God's word, you are his true disciple. Okay? If you don't, you need to evaluate yourself. Is there something going on or maybe you're not saved? Okay? All right. <clears throat> so last week we saw the relationship between the wives and the husbands and the fathers and the children. Um, one thing to notice is that the male figure of the home is held to a triple standard. I bet you've never seen that, right? I didn't either until I started going back and reevaluating it. But the male in the household is held to a triple standard. Um. Um, he is the husband. He's evaluated and called out as a husband. 
Also in this text, he's the father. And then also he is now the master. Okay, He's held at three different um, uh, perspectives, right? The male, the male figure has a high calling. He has a different roles and responsibilities for each one of these positions. So, but now we're in the third section of the household, the household structure. Okay, we're now going to evaluate the relationship between slaves and masters. During this time, the complete household consists of both slaves and free. Unlike wives and children, slaves were considered a living thing, an article of property. Okay, uh, with that said, they would be with the master in church listening. So I believe the same principles can be applied to the current work environment uh, between employee and uh, employer. I think Wes mentioned that last time. In this context, we'll look at it from a household perspective and then briefly brush onto today's applications, okay? We'll look at it from the, uh, the, um, the leadership role, the household role for now. So remember, our relationship is with God first, then the family and then everything else comes afterwards, even yourself, okay? All right, so now let's go into the text. Okay, so verse 22, it says, our very first word here is what? Slave, right? Man, so much to say about this, okay? Uh, We could be here all morning talking about this, but I don't think we'll do that today, okay? So we'll just look at just a quick uh, history of what, slavery was back then ancient law treated slaves as property as well as treating them as people and their obedience was expected okay many however considered slaves generally to be lazy which was to be expected since they rarely shared the profit of their own labors paul does not speak against it but does not approve of it okay the word is not for social issues but for immoral issues okay now it can be applied to to issues, to social and uh, issues, but at the end of the day, it calls out the immoral issues, the sin of the world of man. So as long as a slave and master follow the commands below, then they do not commit any sin. Okay. Now it is interesting to note in the New Testament, it speaks of slaves quite often, which means something, right? It shows that no matter how low a person's social status may be, they can attain the highest status with the Lord through indwelling themselves with God's word and obedience to it. There is very little instruction in the New Testament that refers to rules, I mean rulers and nations, okay? You don't see that very much. But there is a considerable amount for those who devote their lives in the service of others, okay? So rulers and nations, there's not a whole lot of instruction for them, but for servers, those who serve others, there is a lot of information, okay? So slaves in Paul's days usually did not get any attention. But I'm sure it caught the early Christians by surprise uh, that so much attention was given to them in the epistles, okay? But God's grace is above all and reaches down to anyone when it pleases him, no matter what their position is, okay? No matter where you are. And if you're a person and you're, God is calling you to be saved, he will reach down to you. Um, so the next part of this verse says, in all things, so slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters according to the flesh. For Paul to be addressing slaves indicates, okay, which goes against the culture, that he considers them to be rational and moral beings who are capable of developing a relationship not only with their masters, 
but also with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul saw them just not just as living beings, but as image bearers, okay? There's a difference, image bearers. We talked about that with the kids, that Christ created us in his image. We bear his image. Animals do not bear the image of Christ. Humans bear the image of Christ. We are human, I mean, we are image bearers, okay? So Paul sees slaves as image bearers. They are to obey in all things just as was commanded to the children. If you look at uh, the verses right before this where it's given the command to the children to obey, it's the same word here, and he's given the same commandment to the slaves to obey just like the children are to obey their father and here the master. Um, <clears throat> again, showing the male leadership in the home and Christ as Lord overall. Now, did you notice... If I read that verse all the way, in all things obey those who are your masters according to the flesh. So if you notice that subtle there at the end, obey your masters according to what? The flesh, okay? It's a soft reminder to both the slave and master that the master is a master only because it's man-made. This is not of God. It's instituted by man. This is something designed by man. Slavery is not of God, okay? They both have another master who is above all, okay? And sees all that is done to the lowest of his children. So what he's saying is he's putting them both on the same plane, and we'll get to that here in a minute, okay? We'll get to that here in a minute. So let's continue uh, looking at the, the next part of the verse. So slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters, According to the flesh, not with what? Eye service, okay? So do not slack off when the master is not looking, but as Christians, or the boss, right? But as Christians, we know that the true master is always looking. Even if your earthly circumstances are tough, they are called to work unto the Lord, okay? They're called to work unto the Lord, no matter how tough they are. These type of uh, people only work hard when the boss or master is not around, okay? They're just doing it for eye service. Oh, yeah, they look like they're doing their job, okay? They do not have true integrity, doing what's right when nobody's looking, right? They do it only when, when mom or dad are around, maybe. You're told to do something. You hear mom or dad coming down the hall, and all of a sudden you start picking up your room, right? No, you don't do that? No? Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> so that eye service, only doing it with eye service, that's unacceptable, okay? And then also they do it as men pleasers, okay? Here they are commanded not to work to please men, but to act or work in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, okay? As we see in verse 20, there are some people who will go above and beyond to please their parents, their boss, their whoever hired them, their employer, and uh, they will go above to please them. But in, when in all reality, they should seek to please the Lord himself. Here the slave is called to serve with a single purpose. But the object of service, of service is to be the Lord Christ himself, as we will see in the next few verses. Okay, So again, don't serve uh, to please men. You serve to please the Lord. And by doing that, sometimes that that allows you or causes you 
to do what's right when everybody else is going against the grain, okay? So do not please men, but please the Lord. Then it goes on to say, but with integrity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, so do not, do not, uh, in all things, obey those who are your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but with integrity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, it needs to be done with a pure motive, not only please the Lord, right, but it needs to be done with a pure motive. The slave should look beyond the earthly master as the motivation for obedience and look to God for it in reverence or fear, okay? Do it because it gives honor, because it gives reverence to God. Don't do it to please men, okay? But with integrity of heart, fearing the Lord, okay? And then at the end, it kind of gives this last little wrap-up of that verse. It says, do it to the Lord. It says, whatever you do... Um, yeah, do your heart work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Paul here is just reiterating what was said in verse 17. If you look back up in verse 17, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There are today, <clears throat> I mean, there are, they are to obey and work for the Lord and not for human masters. Okay, I keep emphasizing that. So imagine what the masters are thinking right now when this letter was read out loud in the church. So I don't know if you knew this, but when a letter would come in, everybody would listen. They would sit down and they would unwrap it and read it to the church. This is written to the church. And the slaves are here. And now the masters are hearing this. The ears of the slaves perk up and they're hearing what's being said here. Or maybe this is common knowledge already. Maybe the masters are living in a way that represents Christ, and this is just a repeat of what they may already know. I don't know. But um, Paul is making the slave equal to the masters in Christ, okay? That's what he's doing here. The verse redefines the masters as men and slaves as men. Okay, as I said earlier, it, it, it's making them image bearers. Okay, it's making them, putting them on the same plane because they are image bearers. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter where you sit in the pecking order at work. You're all image bearers. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. Okay. <clears throat> now, this call is to all Christians, not just the slaves, but we are all called to serve the Lord in the same way. Um, if we look at chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 7, I don't know if you remember when we reviewed this, but Epaphras himself is called, and he's supposed to be the one who maybe started the church. That's the rumor, word on the street, right? They call him a slave of Christ Jesus. This is a servant of God. This is someone in the church. But yet we're talking about slaves in the household. But here Epaphras is a slave of Christ Jesus. So here we see the true slaves. That's what he's doing. He's, re, he's redoing what we know as slaves. That's what Paul's doing here. So here we see the true slaves are believers. And the true master is the Lord. If you are a Christian... You are a slave to Christ. Did you know that? 
You were bought with a price and now you are indebted to him. You are a slave to him. So this example is not just for the slaves. It's the example how we should live in serving Christ because we are his slaves and he is the master. So verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Do you please men or do you try to please the master? Verse 24, says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Hmm. The reason why slaves are to work for the Lord more than for earthly masters is already known. You see there at the beginning of verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord, it's because of the inheritance they uh, are aware of. This reward, this is probably common knowledge to the Colossians here. This may not, may not, might not be the first time they've heard of this. This type of inheritance can only be given by the master. For a slave to receive an inheritance is a big deal, okay? I know uh, in the South, you know, I've heard just in history books that the owners would die, the, the masters would die and leave everything to their slaves and it would cause a ruckus in the town. Uh, that's just outside of the biblical times. And here, the same thing, for a slave to receive an inheritance is a big deal. But in here, in this case, they are now claimed as legitimate children of God, Therefore, making them also heirs of the inheritance promised to all who are saved, which are the children of God, okay? The, the motivation to obey their master is because they have a greater Lord, and whatever reward they, they may receive from their earthly masters, right? Whether it's food that they give them, a place to sleep, a paycheck even, or any other type of gift, it is nothing compared to the inheritance we have, which is eternal life with our Lord forever. So the next time we're asked to do something that we don't like to do or even want to do, whether it's in the church, at home, in the workplace, remember, it is a testimony for Christ to do something and do it uncomplainingly. And to do the best that, you, that we know to do because there is an, an inheritance for us, right? I do this. I serve my master well. I serve my boss well because no matter what, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glorifying the Lord by doing what is right unto him and what he's paying me for. But because at the end of the day, the inheritance that I will receive from Christ is far greater than it is within what that person or that employer or master can give me, okay? So, Again, I'll repeat that. <clears throat> so the next time we're asked to do something we do not like to do or want to do, whether it's in the church, home, or workplace, remember it is a testimony for Christ to do it uncomplainingly and to do the best that we know to do because there is an inheritance for us. I bet as you raise your children, those of you who have children, you teach them to do the best that they can, right? Right? And when you see them do it, when you teach them this and they apply it as they grow up, you feel good about yourself and your kids should feel good. But have you trained them and taught them that what they're doing is for the glory and honor of God? Bring it to the next level. Teach them and train them that. Verse, uh, same thing here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. 
that says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, the inheritance of the saints. That's what he's saying here. All right, the next part of, of 24. It says, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord Christ. This verse is completed with serve the Lord Christ. Okay, it's just like a little tail right at the end just on its own. It's almost like its own thought. For he is the true object of our service, okay? We see the lordship of Christ once again. You cannot be a Christian and Christ not be lord over you. It's just not how it goes, okay? You can't have sugar. You can't have Kool-Aid without sugar, right? You can't be in the south and have tea without sugar. I almost said it backwards. <laughs> but again, um, it doesn't mix together. You are a slave and he is the master. There is never mentioned of a slave with no master, okay? Verse 25 says, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Okay, so here's a warning to both the slave and the master, but mainly intended for the slave. So eye service, men pleasers, cheaters, loafers, liars, and thieves, or any form of insincerity will not go unnoticed. There is no partiality with God. He is the master of all, and he's not impressed with you or me. Can remember also that he is a just God. He will make it right. If you don't make it right, he will make it right. If slaves or employers rob their masters, they will give an account unto the Lord. We look at the last verse here. Now we swap over to the masters, employers, if you want to look at it from that perspective. But masters, show to your slaves what is right and fair, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Now, to the masters, they are to pay them rightly and fair. This is directed at Christian employers, right? He is talking to masters in this context and the church setting. He's talking to the Christian master employer here. Okay? There is no place in the sight of the Lord for oppression of the poor or the gifts of a man who gets rich through unfair labor. Did you hear that? There's no place in the sight of the Lord for oppression of the poor or the gifts of a man who gets rich through unfair labor. So we look at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, Come now, you rich, cry, howling over your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will consume you and will consume your flesh like fire. You have stored up such treasure in the last days. And here it is. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, that which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcries of those who did the harvesting have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and lived in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Okay? The Lord is a just God. He will make it right. He is paying attention. He sees. <clears throat> so next, masters should be humble and fear the Lord, just as, as the slaves were called to do uh, because they too have the same master in heaven. Okay? And like I said, I repeat again, he is just and he is righteous in all his ways. 
So church, remember, Christ is Lord, and we are, be, uh, we are to be submissive to him, okay? This section of verses shows us that we should, what we should look like if we are filled with his spirit and his word. Remember that. If we are filled with the spirit and his word, this is who we are, okay? And then another main point is that it points out the lordship of Christ. If you notice when it references wives, it says, as it is fitting in the Lord, when it mentions children, it says, well-pleasing to the Lord, servants, fearing the Lord, masters, as to the Lord, okay? So Christ is Lord over all. We are his slaves, and we are to serve the master well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we evaluate our relationship with you, Lord. And there are some, Lord, maybe I'm hopefully not here, Lord, that make you out to be the slave, Lord, and we try to master over you. We try to command you what we want and what we need. We try to command riches from you, Lord, and healings that we don't deserve. But Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we reevaluate and look at and see here through the text, Lord, that we are slaves and you are the true master, Lord. Help us to find our place, help us to know our place, and help us, Lord, to serve you well. Lord, we come today to you, Lord, we repent of our selfishness, Lord, And we come to you today, Lord, to ask to help us, remind us on who we are. We are slaves to you, Lord, and you are the master. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen.